Hello and welcome back to another edition of The Blend Sessions. I'm Theo van den Bruker, and I'm your host for a series of conversations on culture recorded with Shabas Regal blended Scotch whisky at their bar in East London. Each week, we bring together two creative minds to talk about how collaboration and the blending of different skills have shaped their work and been the key to their success. The discussions cover art, photography, food, fashion and literature and are an inspiring, informative look at how the creative process works in these worlds. This week's conversation on culture takes place between two of the most interesting artists at work in Britain today, Jonathan Yeo and Bafik, who have mixed together elements of different kinds of art to reinvent familiar formats. Yeo is the painter who has done more than anyone else to reinvigorate the world of portrait painting, capturing everyone from Kevin Spacey to Prince Philip, with his work now hanging in galleries from the National Portrait Gallery to the Smithsonian. Bafik is a new London artist who has blended photography, music, text, digital disruption and filmmaking. While the two of them produce very different work, they share a restless desire to bring new techniques and ideas into old forms and to push British art to new, unfamiliar places. This conversation was chaired by Francesca Gavin, writer, curator and visual arts editor at Days. So sit back and enjoy Jonathan Yeo and Bafik recorded live in conversation with Shivas Regal Scotch Whiskey in episode five of The Blend Sessions. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you very much for coming. And to begin with, firstly, we have Jonathan Yeo and Bafik. And I think the best thing, if you both can just... You come from quite different disciplines. I think if you can just summarise a little bit on the kind of work that you make, and then we can talk about how those projects intersect and what the sort of contrasts and comparisons are between your practice. So what do you do, Johnny? Uh, well, yes, um, what do I do? I, my, my daughter sums it up as I do colouring in, uh, <laughs> and uh, she's very embarrassed about it. But yes, I'm an old-fashioned painter. I always say that I lie depending on which room I'm going into. <laughs> um, but I'd say it's, it's all art, I guess. It's all art for me, yeah, so artist. Um, one thing I found really interesting looking at both your background, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, that you were both self-taught, and I find that really interesting as a critic and curator because I'm really interested in people who kind of end up in their careers outside of traditional roots. Um, and if so, do you want to tell me how you taught yourself doing what you do? Oh, uh, the, what I usually say now is that I, I actually did it, ended up slightly by accident because I was always drawing faces at school. So I mostly do um, figurative work, mostly paintings that involve faces and figures, sometimes straightforwardly, sometimes telling other stories. I have ADD, and I, I found that drawing when I was at school helped me concentrate on whatever was being talked about. But obviously, at the same time, you're being told off for drawing because you're not concentrating. Uh, but I found that by doing caricatures of the teachers, I'd be looking at them, so make it, they'd think I was listening. Uh, but at the same time, I could make my friends laugh, which uh, was a bonus, and I, it meant I was doing something. So um, that's how I started in it. By failing lots. Um, so I guess with, with photography, just picking up a camera and just messing around with film, different techniques, different things, and walking around lots and just being in places. I guess with taking photos, you can get in the room and you're there and you can be really quiet, but then the moment that camera goes off, you're like, there's a reminder that you're there. So it's just like just being in the room but not being like there you're just in your own place and um, so just failing lots i always like to say that's the best way to learn anything by failing lots it's an easily <laughs> done <laughs> the easiest thing to do fail great um i also find that really interesting that if you're coming from like a photographic background you're coming from a very much a portrait 
sculpture, mm. painting background. What kind of initially drew you to the face in both of your cases? Because actually it's not the most, let's say, fashionable thing to be doing, being drawn towards faces. People are drawn, at least in the, in the fine art world, more towards like ideas of narrative, of concept. And I think coming back to the figures is really interesting at this point in time. Uh, okay, well, I suppose that, um, uh, there were two kind of big orthodoxies when I was starting off, which would have been in the early 90s now, um, mid-90s. One was that figurative art was out of fashion, so it was really, it was, you could even be taught it, so it wouldn't have been an option really going to art school. And the other was that you had to pick one discipline, one area of interest, and stick at it, and that was your thing. And interestingly, both seem to have reversed now. Actually, figurative art is much more, obviously, connected with narrative. Uh, and it's almost reversed now. I think that you know, a lot of artists I know feel they should be doing other things other than just their main thing, uh, or it doesn't look like they're experimenting or taking any risks. Mm. As it happens in both cases, it, 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 it seems to be interesting. me. I've, I've ended up doing, because I had to get good, I you know, ended up doing portraits because I like portraits. I wasn't very good at them, so I had to do it a lot to get the hang of it. And, uh, and actually, things have come around, and now it's, it's an interesting time. It seems you say it's not an obvious thing to do faces. For me, it's the most obvious thing in the world because it's, you know, when you look in a room, it's the first thing you check out. It's the faces. You know, it's the, you know, as human, human, as animals, mm -hmm. we are you know, biologically designed to look, analyze those things first because it's, it, it, you get, pick up more information from the other faces uh, that you see than anything else. And so you know, whether people are potentially someone you're going to connect with, someone, you know, a threat. I mean, obviously, this goes back you know, generations to when we had to sort of, like, go you know, survive on contact with other people. So whether someone might be a threat or potential sort of friend or whether they're old or young, whether they might be a sexual partner, whether they might be someone you're going to work with. So, you know, all these things, we instant reactions by looking at someone's mm -hmm. face. Then you pick up other bits of information by, you know, from what else you see. Yeah, would you agree? Was that kind of what kind of draw you to, as a photographer at that period in time of your career? And again, you have a very broad career. That kind of idea. Well, you know, it's true. You work in a lot of different things, which is really interesting. But yeah, what's with it with a face? It's talking talking to people. Mm -hmm. it all comes back to talking to people. And anytime you meet someone for the first time, there's that initial germ of an idea or something that you trade and your reference points and where you're coming from, what you're talking about, whether we're talking about you know, Facebook algorithms or, you know, like, like, like we had earlier, yeah. like we all met and all of a sudden we're just bouncing, bouncing, bouncing thoughts and ideas and like, we're mm -hmm. just like, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen that? And that's what I love. And all of that happens. And then you just, you take a photo mm -hmm. and that may or may not come across in the photo, mm -hmm. but the person you're taking a photo of opens up to you in a way that they wouldn't have if you just went up to them and said, can I have a photo? Mm -hmm. And Mexico, <laughs> I was in Mexico uh, last week, and um, the night Thingy Bobby was uh, elected, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, good name. And uh, the next day, we were at this like insane like, I, okay, I'm not trying to. This isn't flexing. I'm just saying facts right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and I met this um, brothers and sisters, like three or four brothers and sisters from San Diego, Mexican. Their mother came into the country via like a lake holding her brother with her sister her uncle's holding him and just telling me all these stories and we we're just talking about like we literally just met and we mm -hmm. just went into like the most insane conversation about everything like i, I didn't take a photograph of them but you know like mm -hmm. we opened our we opened up everything we opened up our history our family's history like where i'm where i come from where my family come from and 
the same with them. And I just think that with everything that's like happening in the world and like with communication, with politics, with everything, like you need like talk to someone that you've just met. You have no idea who they are. You learn so much. I mean, I think it's kind of fascinating because I know that's also your practice in terms of energy and it's also mine. I mean, that's why I became a journalist. I'm really nosy. I love having conversations. Exactly. Look at me. I'm demonstrating this now, but it's true. It's really interesting. But it's interesting, like, probably, like, when you're younger, like, someone's just like, oh, shut up, stop being so nosy. But it's like, you know, I mean, like, it's, it's funny. There's a lot of stuff that um, I think every person who does stuff when they're younger, if they listen to anyone who said something in a throwaway comment, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing now. Mm -hmm. Why are you taking photos of me? Like, why are you doing this? Or why are you doing that? Or, why do you like filming me? Or like, why are you asking questions? Mm -hmm. Or, you know? Do you think that's changed over time? Hell no. <laughs> no. No, no, I mean, for me, it's okay to use, not use the microphone. Can you hear us? Yeah, good, wonderful, great. Um, when we started off, it was, you know, we were brought up the mantra the camera never lies. So, you know, through the 20th century, there's this thing that, you know, photographs were more documentary than painting or any other kind of art, and that was that. I've got something Done. to say against that. Now, it's starting to change. It's starting to change, I think, in people's minds. Obviously, it's always been a bit questionable because a huge editing process goes on, and a, a photograph is one moment. But this, there was this, I think there was this mindset, and it's, it started to change, I think, with Photoshop and that kind of thing, where people got the hang of the fact that photos could actually be altered. Uh, and so we started to, to trust less, photograph less in the 90s. We certainly knew that magazine covers would have been changed. Um, and I think that it's changing even more now because of social media. People use images every day. People make images, take photographs. You know, you know, 15 years ago, you took a photo and you, you know, sent it off to a lab to be processed. You couldn't see it straight away. It would come back sort of weeks or months or whatever later, and you wouldn't necessarily know why some photos were better than others. You, know, you didn't learn the process. As soon as you were able to like, do digital, and then even more when it's on your phones, photos immediately see what makes the difference between a good and bad photo. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I light it like that, it's much better. And, if you're, and so you, we, we all, we've all become you know, competent photographers. And my kids were looking at my, um, taking photos, and then um, that's right, they were looking at photos of what their friends are posting on social media. Uh, and they were saying, oh, the reason she doesn't like that is because that's more flattering than if she doesn't like that. She's, you know, put that in the background to give the impression she's having a, a good time actually yeah, she's doing yeah. homework. <laughs> yeah, that kind of like, oh my God, they're already aware of people using images as a sort of propaganda. Yes. And that didn't happen a few years ago. And a lot of those sort of tools which in you know, only a generation ago would have been the preserve of people who actually were professional photographers and now something that everybody has and is using every day. You know, we all use images, whether we intend to or not, to you know, show that we are, you know, slightly sort of better looking or more glamorous or, you know, having a better life. Johnny, because you came from a more tr traditional medium of painting, but you're now really active on Instagram and you're working on a lot of technological projects with unnamed technology companies that we won't talk about, but you can discuss that. Yeah. I'm really curious to see, like it's really interesting seeing how artists are responding to this changing landscape, not as something necessarily, well, as an opportunity, I suppose, and something that it's not necessarily about technology, but it's about talking about our relationship to each other, but through technology as a medium. And I kind of, I'm curious to see how you're using that to adapt what you're doing. Um, okay, I, um, I didn't go into it thinking that it was gonna become part of the work. It was sort of accidental thing. Um, I had a reason to go over to California um, a few months ago and by chance had these various intros to some of the technology companies. 
and went to see various things that are going on. I'm sorry if this is very obvious to some of you guys who are more into it than I am. But the, there's so much changing at the moment in uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, um, artificial intelligence, loads of other things which can impact on our lives, like driverless cars and all these things are going to come along quite soon and change the landscape of cities. You know. um, I was really struck by how dramatic these things were and how I, I just had no idea that these were happening at all, let alone happening soon. And just by way of example, and you probably, I mean, some of you may have tried this, some probably haven't. I've, I've, I've had this um, uh, virtual reality um, uh, gear on loan from Google for the last few months in the studio, uh, and it's the it's the vibe. It's the one you can walk. It's a bit like Oculus Rift. It's the one you can walk around, and it knows where you are, and you can, you can manipulate things. It's very dramatic. How everybody is who hasn't tried it before, and that's most people actually, because it's quite new. Uh, are completely immersed in it as soon as they put the headset on. So not even if you like the earphones where you, it tracks where you are and moves the sound around, just the visuals. You are completely, uh, all your other senses, all your logic, all your memory, everything. In fact, you just put this, go into a room, put this on, you're still talking to people. If you think aliens are coming at you and all the world's falling away or something's happening, your whole system reacts to that just on the basis of the visuals. And it's so... Uh, ruled by the way we, uh, by what we see, that's our primary information gathering source, it's all instinctive. Um, and there's that, I was talking to Johnny Ive at Apple, he was um, obviously talking about... Flex! <laughs> <laughs> you just read my mind, I was like, just my old mate. I'm not just going to say that, like you didn't just say that. Yeah. Johnny knows everyone. <laughs> going to be very interesting with someone to come and make something and you're just like that is it mm -hmm. you know and it that's not forced and that, like you know like 
Snapchat have just put out those glasses. Have you seen them? Yeah. And it's like, uh, we're getting closer. We're getting closer. But we're waiting for someone to just come through with the iPod version. You know what I mean? Not the iPod version, but... But you know, that's when the iPod, that accessible. When, yeah, when the iPod yeah. came, everyone's like, ah! Oh. But even taking it back to, like, a creative thing, like, you're making work on, on websites, and I'm really curious to see, like, how you feel, like, as an artist and, to, and like, relating with that landscape and making work within that landscape. Um, with the website thing, it also was coming from... You always see this thing about people who have, like... who post something on, I don't know, Instagram or something, and then accounts get shut down and all of that. Mm-hmm. It's like... You don't, a nipple. I'm gonna say the word. Yeah, like nipples, and like it just it's you, like it it sucks. But it's interesting. A few years ago, it wasn't like this at all. Everyone had their own. I I say everyone had their own house. Everyone had their own website. You know what I mean? And yeah. like it was like they used they used the Twitters, the Flickers, whatever, to get people to their site. It'd be like, hey guys. Just popping into this house, this Twitter house. Come back to mine. There's a lot of <laughs> sick stuff going on over here. Nice analogy. But now it's like everyone's just like over there. Yeah. And it's like there's so little control over there. It's like there's that's nothing. Over here you could do so much. The opportunities, the things you could learn, the things you could like, the things you can say, the things you can do, the things you can post. It's like there's so much. That is there. Go there. But like, bring people here as well, and yeah. like, and like, show them more. Link them to other stuff. Like, I just feel like here is really like, oh, you're right, mate. Young, yeah, good, you. Yeah, yeah, I'm great. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Thanks to Jonathan Yo and Bafik in conversation for the blend sessions with Shivas Regal Scotch whiskey. We'll be back next week for another evening with two more of our leading cultural collaborators. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts to automatically receive each episode. You can find out more about Shivas Regal Whiskey at shivas.com. From me, Teo van den Bruecke, until next time, goodbye.